this year. This is my year, our year. Can you feel it? More motivation. 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 Synergy. 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 Adventure. 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 Responsibility. 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 Intimacy. 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 Achievement. 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 Advancement. Determination. 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 Focus. Focus. This is my year. Honey, so? <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. Motivation, integrity, determination, synergy. Come on, honey. You're not even listening to me. I mean, I have a poster and everything this time. This is perfect. I mean business. Jack? This is my year. I promise. Good morning. How are you, church? 2019. Are you ready? <laughs> you see, uh, there are probably two types of people in the room today. Uh, those, when we think about 2019, a new year, we're like, oh, I got plans and ideas and thoughts and things that I'm just excited about. And some other people, like the other group in the room, is like, eh, it's just another day, whatever, yeah. Uh, some of us are dreamers. We, we are like thinking about the question, what if, what if? And the realists in the room are answering that question with, but how, <laughs> how? See, I would be in the camp of a dreamer, okay? And I was reminded uh, of this very fact just a couple days ago. I got an email, and it was a notification email letting me know that uh, a domain name, which is a, a name of a website, expired because I had bought it in Decem December 27th, 2017. See, around this time, I start getting ideas. I start getting, ah, oh, this is going to be great. And, and anybody know, like, each of us are like really good salesmen if we're selling it to ourselves. Yeah. Like, you know how to convince you of doing something you know you probably shouldn't do. Uh, so I, I had convinced myself that this was a great idea. And so I bought the domain name, which was only like $9. And so they should be more expensive because I may have given it more thought. And I'm trying to tell Sarah, Sarah, this is going to be great. Like, this is what it's going to do. It's a little side project of mine. It was going to be amazing. It was going to help people in their walk with God. It was going to be wonderful. And I'm telling her all these things, and she's like, yeah, okay, but uh, how are you going to do that with uh, this, and you got that, and you got this going on, and that? And I'm like, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. I'll just, I'll just reprioritize. It's all good. It'll be fine. And I go to sleep. Uh, December 28th rolls around, and I'm like, oh, honey, um, you were right. I was wrong. I should have listened to you the first time. And then she just put the dagger in. It's like, I told you so. It's like, come on, come on. You see, uh, I, I'm a dreamer, and, and, and the thing is, like, we need each other, dreamers and realists, okay? Anybody dreamers out there? Like, just, just go raise your hand real high. Like, I don't even need to tell you that, right? Uh, realists, go ahead. Some of you are, like, really excited about it. Okay, uh, I bring you all the reality, right? That's, that's what, so we need each other. Because every now and again, I'll get an idea, and it's a good idea, and I see it through, and it's, it's just wonderful. 
Uh, see, four years ago, I had an idea for a website for uh, basically a resource website for pastors to help them preach and lead better. And by the way, like by doing so, like anybody know that when you teach something, you get better at the thing that you're teaching, right? And so I thought this would be a great idea. And Sarah was like, no, it's probably not going to work. Uh, and and I, have, I have proven her wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Because today, thousands of pastors are getting that content uh, that I founded a website with a friend of mine, and uh, it's good. So like, dreamers, uh, realists, y'all need us, okay? Uh, dreamers, we need realists too, because sometimes we're like in the clouds, and we need to be brought down. Because if we only have ideas, and we never turn those ideas into action, then they, we really haven't done anything at all, right? So we, we need each other, dreamers and Realist. Now, this time of year, this reality is very apparent. But any of you, like, I want to ask a question. Uh, it's a question that I'm sure you've asked yourself. Maybe you didn't expect it in church, but what do you want 2019 to be for you? What do you want in 2019? What do you want? Maybe some of these New Year's resolutions that are very common uh, maybe resonate with some of you. Uh, eat healthier. Like, that's a good idea, right? Until you see pizza, and it's like, oh, no. <laughs> bacon. Uh, to uh, give, get, get more exercise, uh, save more money, or, or save money, period. Uh, focus on self-care, like get more sleep. Unless you have newborns, it just doesn't happen. You can resolve as much as you want. Uh, read more, make new friends, learn a new skill, get a new job, take up a new hobby. I don't plan on making New Year's resolutions, right? Um, any of you actually make New Year's resolutions? Or maybe you set goals if you're type A and like me, like I don't call it a resolution. Yeah, call it goals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any of you have one New Year's resolution that is to not make New Year's resolutions? Yeah. Okay. So like 9.2% of people actually follow through on their New Year's resolutions. So maybe there's a better question. Maybe the question that we should, not, that we should ask ourselves is not, uh, what do I want for me in 2019? But maybe this question is a little bit better. What does God want for me in 2019. What does God want for you in 2019? What does he want? Because here's the thing, like the way we answer this question determines whether or not we are following God. It determines whether or not we are living in God's plan for us. Because if we can get this, if we can get this right, and we're going to spend the rest of our morning uh, unpacking the, the answer to this, but if we can get this right, then I think, and this is not just the dreamer in me, not just the uh, over-exaggerator, but, but I think 2019 could very well be the best year of our lives, if we got this right. But here's the thing. This is not to say that 2019 will not be filled with life. When life happens, right? It's going to still, storms are still going to come. Things are going to happen. People are going to get sick. We're going to have struggles. We're going to have difficulties. So, but the thing is, like when we can get this the answer to this question right, it helps us deal and respond to when life happens. So that at the end of 2019, imagine what it would be like at the end of 2019 to look at back at the year and think, no, that was a good year. Like this was, wow. Like anybody ever, like a year from now, as you're sitting in the chair, you're sitting in now because we're creatures of habit and you all sit in the same spots. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I know you do. Uh, and I'm always here too. So like, uh, at least starting to. Um, He's always there. Um, imagine what it would feel like to look back at that year and be like, this was pivotal. This was so good. Is that, do, would you like that? Because I don't think anybody, any of us are signing up for looking back at 2019 and like, eh, yeah, 
This is another year. Like, what if there could be more? So if you have a Bible, go to Mark chapter 12, and we're going to be diving into that. But uh, I want to give you a little plug for next week. We're starting a new series called Mission Advance. And in this series, over three weeks, we're going to be looking at what God has called us to as a church in 2019, what I believe we're we're called to as a church body, and why we exist as a church. So we're going to be looking at that. I hope you'll make plans to be uh, here next week. Uh, for that mission advance. But Mark chapter 12 is where we'll be, starting in verse 28. And uh, here's what it says. One of the scribes approached. When, his, when he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which command is the most important of all? So, so here's the situation. Jesus is debating with all these uh, religious leaders, theological uh, you know, gurus, and they're asking him questions, trying to get him to slip up, trying to say something heretical so they can be like, gotcha, you're done, bye. They're trying to get rid of Jesus, and he's answering all these questions very, very well, as we would anticipate for Jesus to answer some questions, right? And so this is all going on in the scribe. Get this, he spent his livelihood. This is what he did, is he read scripture and wrote it down. That's what a scribe did all day long. They read the the scriptures and they didn't have copy and paste. They didn't have a printer, so they had to write it all down. So he's spending his whole life reading the Old Testament and then writing it down, word for word. So you would think that he kind of understood what was going on. And so he's listening to this rabbi, Jesus, answer all these questions, and he decides to lay on him the big one. The one that determines, hey, if, if this is, if you, the way you answer this one determines how you see your faith, how you see life, how you view God. And so this was a big one. Uh, commentators believe that this was a very common question that uh, religious leaders and the- theologians debated in the first century around Judaism. Like, this was a big deal kind of question. And so he wants to know, Jesus, when it all comes down to it, what are you striving for? What are you trying to do? What is your goal? What does it all come down to? What's the foundation of your faith? What's the foundation of life? Because if you get that wrong, then everything that you build on top of it will fall apart. Um, we, we moved into our house in Bluffton, and it's got an unfinished basement. And so I can really see the, the, the foundation that is built upon is concrete. It's not quicksand, thankfully, right? Uh, the builder was wise enough to determine that, hey, the foundation should be on something kind of firm and secure, not something that I'm sure my neighbors are thankful for this, I'm thankful for this, that so far my house is not turned up down the street, right? Because it's on a firm foundation. But if it had a foundation that was faulty, then it's going to crumble apart no matter how nice it is on top. And so for Jesus to answer this, this was determining what his life was built upon. And the way we answer this determines how we build our lives on top of it. Because just like Jesus, how we answer this question, what command is the most important of all? It determines whether or not our faith will survive the storms of life. This is what he said. This is how Jesus answered. Jesus answered, The most important is listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love him. What is he saying? 
He's saying that with every crevice, every nook and cranny of your world, of your life, every little part of you, every piece of you, that is what we are supposed to love with. Everything we are supposed to have our lives be motivated by and be striving toward our love for God. Our thoughts, our emotions, our plans, our, 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 our motivation, everything. Everything that you can think of, our relationships, everything should be motiva- motivated by our love for God. Everything. Commentator R.L. L. Cooper said this about like loving God with all of this about us. Everything. This is what he said. It, it encompasses, when he says heart, soul, mind, and strength, it encompasses everything that we are, everything that God has created us to be. We are to love him with our minds, our emotions, our will. It's like getting to the point where you say, like, what else is there to do? but with every piece of us to love the one who created every piece of us. Like if he deserves anything, it's that. He's the one who's given us the gift of life. I think about it like this. Anyone uh, Star Wars fans? You can raise your hand. It's okay. okay. Can you say that in church? Uh, so in Star Wars, right, the, the emperor, the empire, the bad guys, they have this technology where, where if there's a ship that's, you know, I don't know, flying, I don't know if that's really happening in space, floating by, whatever, propelling by, uh, then they can turn on a thing called a tractor beam, and they can pull that ship toward them. And this is what it reminds me of when I, when I see this, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Why? Okay, here's where it is. Here's where, here's where it fits. Our love for God should be the thing that everything about us is gravitating toward. Our, our everything, every person, every motivation, every thought, every plan, everything about us should be going toward our love for God. It should be like a tractor beam that, that, that anything we do, anything we think of, should have the, the motivation, have the pull toward, oriented toward, calibrated toward our love for God. Like nothing in our lives should be able to escape the draw of loving God. Everything, every piece, nothing held back. No little, no little piece that we're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that over there. I'm going to try and get into light speed before he grabs me. No, like every little piece of us should be oriented toward our love for God. It's like when we develop this just relentless desire to see Everything about ourselves be an expression of love toward our mighty God, the one who through Jesus saved us from our wretched destination that we were headed toward and has adopted us into his family, the family of God. Because at one time we were all orphans, and yet he has decided to adopt us into his family. So we are called then to love him with everything. What does this look like? It looks like passion. Like everything in you just motivated by this idea, by this, by this amazing thought that everything about me, I can be an instrument of love for my God. Can you imagine what that would look like? Every little piece of us being a way to show love to our God. Every little piece of us. It's like when we were building everything else on top of this foundation where our love for God is our foundation that we are built upon and everything else, all the, all the good deeds that we do, all our love for, uh, for the things that we're, will bring others light, feeding people, helping people, 
All of that has to be built on the foundation of loving God. Otherwise, it will not survive. When our foundation is our love for God, that determines what will and what will not be built on top of it. It determines everything about our lives. But Jesus gave the scribe a little two-for-one special. He asked for what's the most important command. And Jesus decided, hey, I got another one for you. And this is what it says. He said, the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. That's interesting because he says there is no other command, even though he said there's two, there's no other command, singular, greater than these ones. What is Jesus doing? He's joining these two commands, these separate quotes from the Old Testament together. He's saying that there is this connection between our ability and our likelihood of loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And there's a connection between that and loving people. You can't have one without the other. Like, it just doesn't work that way. Friends, we can't grow past this. I know that if, if we have been in church for a little bit, you've probably heard the idea of love God, love people. You've probably heard that plenty of times, right? This is not new information for most of us. But the thing is, we can grow numb to it, and, our, and the effect that it has on us can be lost. But what we're called to is focusing on those two things first and foremost, because we cannot grow past this. It's the deepest theological truth that we as people who are bought by the blood of Jesus and covered by his blood can ever grasp. Make no mistakes, like... This thing that he just said, love your neighbor as you love yourself, that is the greatest form of discipleship. That is the, the best sign that you are loving God if you can do that. It's the best way to know that you're growing in your love for God. It's the measuring stick, the goal. It is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Here's why. And John puts it this way in 1 John 4. He says it this way in verse 20. He said, if anyone says, I love God, I love God, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a what? A liar. He's a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And we have this command from him. And I think when John's saying this, he's thinking back when Jesus said this to that scribe. We have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother or sister. Like, like, it doesn't matter if we memorize Scripture. We can quote it word for word. We can recite it word for word from Genesis to Revelation. If we focus on all that, if we pray without ceasing, we never stop praying. If that's what we are, that we're that holy, and yet we don't love people, we've missed it completely. We're not even in the same ballpark. We're completely off the mark. We are called to, first and foremost, love God and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. If we don't, if we say, you know what, I love God, but I can't stand people, like church would be great if it weren't for the people, right? That is not the motivation we ought to have. That is not the attitude we ought to have. Because as followers of Jesus, we know that we are called to love people. And guess what is difficult? Loving people. Amen? I mean, are you easy to love? No, I'm not. I don't know how Sarah does it. Pray for her. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'll just have a prayer service right now. 
But seriously, like, none of us are easy to love. And yet God is calling us to step into the difficulty, the messes of other people, and be a light. To be a person who inserts themselves and says, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not going to run from you. No, no, no. I'm going to love you. Why? Because I'm loved by the one who can perfectly love. So I know what it looks like. And I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and to love people. That's what we are called to. And then, and then this is what goes on in, in Mark as the scribe starts to respond. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have correctly said that he is one, and there is no one else except him. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is far more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to question him any longer. He says, hey, you're close to the kingdom of God. Keep leaning in. Keep leaning in. Keep leaning in. Keep following me because you've, you're, you're on the right track here. And here's, in this passage, I think what we're seeing is there's two things that Jesus is showing us. First, it shows us what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, strength, and we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. okay? But also, what this is showing us is that there's a second thing, and that is what Jesus was doing and has done and is doing. He, he is always going, if you, if you read the Gospels, he's always going to the Father. He's always praying to God. He's always going to him and surrendering to him and talking to him and crying out to him and trying to be a person who is following God's plan for him. He's always trying to do that. He's always trying to orient his life toward his love for the Father. But also, through that, he is also loving us with everything he has. You see, because Jesus was willing to love his neighbors as he loves himself, that drove him not to just a place down the street, not just an alleyway that no one wants to go into, but up the steps, up the hill to Golgotha where he paid for our debts. It drove him to the cross because Jesus loved us so much that he decided to pay the debt that none of us could pay because he decided to love us in the only way that he could, and that is with everything. And he decided to step into our messes. Like, I don't know about you, but if, if you're different today than you were maybe 10 years ago, five years ago, five minutes ago, five weeks ago, if you're different today, if you are more like Jesus than you were in the past, then that tells me that you've had some messes that God has been working on. Unless you got it all figured out, unless you got someone who comes into your, the, the house of your life and cleans it up for you every single day. Like, everyone got some messes? Is God still working on you? You still have some struggles? Of course we do. But, but the great news about that is the fact that God loves us enough to step into it. To step into that mess and say, I'm here and so why should we be surprised when we see God doing that for us? He's stepping into our messes and starting to clean them up because he is motivated to love us as he loves himself. My friends, in Jesus' eyes, we were worth it. You were worth it. You are worth it. You're worth it. You're worth what? Everything. We are of infinite worth to the infinite God. It cost him everything. 
And for the one who has everything, when it costs him everything, that means it costs him everything. Infinite. You're of infinite worth. And he's saying, hey, you are worth it, but so are they. So let's go. Let's, let's get together. Let's love God and let's love people. Let's go. Like, let's, let's go. Let's make 2019 what God wants it to be. Here's the thing. If you want 2019 to be the best year of your life, and I'm not even over-exaggerating. If you want 2019 to be the best year of your life, step into the messy, difficult, courageous, courage-requiring, ever-inspiring adventure of loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. That is what that will do. I'm not even just making the, I'm not like trying to convince you of something that is not true. I'm not trying to get you pumped up for something that is just kind of like a feeling. If you decide to step into that, to love God and love people, then that will change everything about 2019. It will change everything about our lives. You see, he wants us to love him and others wholly, like with everything we've got and intentionally. Because it's not going to happen on accident. You don't just happen to love someone. For those of you who are married, that didn't happen by accident. Oh, here we are at the altar. <laughs> you know, took some work to get to that point, yeah? It's been taking some work since too. It takes intentionality. What if, what if, it's my dreamer in me, what if, what if we simply focused on two things in 2019? That's it, two things. You can get rid of your, your New Year's resolutions, your list of 10 goals that you had last year too, and you got it this year again because you didn't get it last year, you know, whatever. Like, if we focus on these two things, then everything else will handle themselves. If we just got really focused, made that our resolution, maybe even our obsession for 2019, if we decided just right now, like, th this is what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to remind myself every moment of every day, as much as I possibly can, to let God work through me and to love him and to love people. So if you're with me, or if, if you're with me on this, if you think it's a good idea for us to do this in 2019, I've got some practical things for us to, to really put this into motion. Anybody with me? Yeah? Okay. All right. Some of you aren't, but that's fine. You're along for the ride. You know? It's all good. So here's the thing. Habits and rhythms. Any relationship requires time. Yes? Requires time and intentionality. And the same is true for our relationship with God. So I got two habits or rhythms, depending on how you want to think about it, that we can do daily. And they're very simple. But, but done consistently, it's powerful. Um, when I first started following Jesus, I, I went and picked up a Bible uh, from Barnes & Noble at the Glenbrook Mall. I was just there last night. It was kind of cool because like, I got to go there again. Uh, and, and, and I bought a book. Uh, it, was, it was fun. Uh, so I'm looking forward to reading that. But anyway, uh, what I did with that Bible is then I went and read it. Like every day. Like a chapter here, a paragraph there, a little verse here, uh, a couple chapters sometimes at night. I would lay at night and I would start reading. I didn't understand it all. No, I had no idea. I was all new to it. Like I started reading through the New Testament. Like, I don't know. And it started, as I read, it started to make more sense. As I read, it started to make more sense. And I just started to cultivate that habit cultivate that muscle because it is a muscle to get into the habit of reading scripture every single day. Just make a commitment to do that because through that, God is going to show himself to us. He's going to speak to us through that and we're going to get to know God and as we get to know God, we can love him better. Uh, but the second thing is with that is habits and rhythms, maybe doing this daily, is to go to him in prayer. And this can be coupled with your time reading scripture, like actually reading it. Don't just let what Brandon says 
from Scripture on Sundays be the only time you're in God's Word, okay? Don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, go to Him in prayer. Talk to Him. Share with Him. Give Him uh, an idea of rundown. If you don't know what to talk about, just start talking, like, whatever. Like, some of you, you'll be praying forever, right? Some of us, we have a couple words to say, and that's fine. Just, just keep going to Him. Go to Him with thoughts. Go to, go to Him with, with fears. Go to Him with things that you're excited about. Go to Him with things that you're not excited about. Just, just go to him. Keep going to him every single day. And as you engage in these two things, you'll find yourself even more in awe of God's goodness and grace. The second thing is, uh, is very practical, hospitality. All the introverts are like, Brandon, I was happy with Bible reading and prayer. Let's go back to that. The extroverts are like, party on. Party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. Yes. It's always fun to see who responds to that. <laughs> Uh, so, hospitality. Here's the thing. In the first century, the church did a very, really, a very great job of hospitality, and, wa- and, and, and the church was stronger because of it. Like, it was the ultimate sign of friendship in the first century to have someone over for, for a meal together, and, and I think the same is true for us today. Like, you usually don't, like, invite people over to dinner, like, just that you're, you don't want to be friends with. Like, it just doesn't happen, right? As God's people, we're supposed to love everyone, so you just have everyone over for dinner. Uh, but here's the thing, like, even if you just need a baby step, maybe just say, like, let's just make it a point to invite people over to a restaurant. Like, we'll have dinner with them. Uh, there's something powerful that happens around a table where, where uh, walls get thrown down, and, and because we're just eating with one another, like, you, you, usually, like, when you're with someone, like, eating is just a, an awkward thing to do, like, when you're in front of someone, like, so it just kind of lowers the barriers with, with you. Like if, for those of you who are like on a first date at, at uh, you know, with your spouse or with your girlfriend, whatever, uh, you usually ate in a way, ladies especially, right? You ate in a way like, mm, so good, yeah. And like if you're married now, it's just like, ha ha. <laughs> I don't even care anymore. It's just like, come on. <laughs> but hospitality is so important because what that does is it gives us an opportunity to love people. If we're not around people, we don't get an opportunity to love people. The other thing is experiences. I don't know what your thing is, but I'm sure there are other people who, who love the same things as you do. Anybody like escape rooms? You ever done that? Yeah, like, like if you like puzzles or like trying to solve problems and things like that, go to the escape rooms in Fort Wayne. There's a ton of them. Get some people together. It's a great time with friends. It doesn't even matter if you get out. I mean, it's also great if you get out. Uh, they will let you out after an hour, okay? Just so you know, if you've never been there. Uh, some of you are like, let's go axe throwing. <laughs> Guys are like, let's go, yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter, like, here's the thing. It doesn't matter what we do with others. It's that we do something with others. It's true with friends. It's true with spouses. It's true with kids. It's true with strangers who are now becoming acquaintances and we're now becoming friends. It's that we do something. If we don't have experiences with people, we don't have opportunities to love people. So I know if you're an introvert, like this sounds horrible to you. I get it, you know, and you can go back home and read a book after you're done. But the thing is, God has called us to be a people who are people-oriented. Out of our love for God flows love for people. And if we're not just filling in, because here's the thing, for for a lot of us, this is going to be a pouring out kind of act spending time with people, right? So that's why we need to daily be going back to his word, be going to him in prayer, and be filling up and filling up because we are going to be pouring out if we're going to really love people in 2019. 
And by the way, you can start in 2018 because there's still a few days. You don't have to wait. So, so we all need to, I think, uh, engage in that. And, and just so you know, like, we're getting our house ready because we are excited to be inviting people over for meals, okay? And, and you know, scheduling-wise, I'll have to double-check with my wife every time, okay? So we have a calendar, and we're, we're excited. We're just excited to have people over because that's how we love people. That's how we build relationships with you all, with people, is by having us get together. So get into the habit then of being with people. And this last thing is more of an attitude that, uh, that we bring with ourselves as we do these things. And it's one word, vulnerability. That's uncomfortable, right? If we are going to fully love God, then we have to let ourselves be vulnerable. Depending on your personality, this sounds horrible. But God's calling us to it because we will never be able to fully love someone or love God if we don't let all the barriers and the walls down. We have to just let it go. We just have to let it go and we have to let him do work in us because we will never share things that we need to share. We will never open ourselves up to saying, hey, I really enjoyed our time together. Hey, would you come over for dinner? I would really love for you guys to come over for dinner. Like, that's a vulnerable place to be, right? Because they could say no. Or they could be like, I guess. Right? And you're like, oh, no. Right? It's a vulnerable thing. But when you're with people, like, it's, it's an amazing thing. When one person's vulnerable, guess what that does to the whole room? It lowers the barrier, lowers the walls that we all create because it's that, it's vulnerability that will allow us to have an open door to love people the way we love ourselves. Without that, we won't be able to do it. And so vulnerability is vitally important. It's really a posture that we have as we go to love God and love people. Again, 2019, like if you want, and I'm not exaggerating, I really believe this. In 2019, if you want it to be the best year of your life, then... Step into the messy, difficult, courage-requiring, awe-inspiring adventure of loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, strength, all that. Love people as you love, as you, as you love yourself. Like, like, just step into that. And, but here's the thing. If we could just imagine a year from now, we're sitting in the same places and we're, we're thinking about uh, 2020. That was crazy, right? And we look back at 2019. Imagine if we just decided to focus on loving God and loving people, and we really did that in very tangible, practical ways. Maybe we weren't perfect. That's fine. Like, we're not going to be, but we decided to make it an emphasis in our lives. Imagine with me, would, would your life be messier? Yes, it would. Why? Because you'll have a bunch more friends. It'll be messy. It'll be messy. Would it be better? Yes, it would be. Would your life have more meaning? Absolutely. How would your life be different? Or maybe the better question is this. How would someone else's life be different if we decided to do that? How would their life be different? How would maybe your sibling's life be different if we decided to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and out of that love, we overflowed and loved people as we love ourselves? How would your friend's life be different? How would your spouse's life be different? How would your kids' lives be different? How would someone you've never met, how would their life be different if we decided to love God and to love people? Uh, to the dreamers, my fellow dreamers, 
I just have to ask you the question, what if? And you're excited and ready to go. To the realists, my friends, but how? Three words. Book, kneel, table. Book, kneel, table. Here's, here's what I mean. Spend time in God's book. Try and do it every day. Learn from him, get to know him, think about him, learn about him, be reminded of him every day. Kneel, go to him in prayer. Start your day with that posture where you go into him and say, God, I need you. Uh, let's, let's, let's do this thing called life together. I need you. Talk to him, cry out to him, share your struggles with him, share your victories with him. And table. Get people around the table. Be around the table with others. Just share. Get to know them. Talk to them. Help them. Pour out your heart to them. Pour into their hearts. Love them. Book, kneel, table. Book, kneel, do it daily. Table, I don't know. Once every other week. Once a week if you're, you know, really feeling it. Once every day, I don't know. Once a month, hey, whatever baby step you need to do, like book, kneel, table, just start doing those three things. And through that, I believe we'll have our love for God cultivated and our love for people cultivated. And just imagine if we decided right now to just make 2019 the best year of our lives, even though life's gonna happen, even though difficulties are gonna come, we can decide right now to control what we can control, and that is our hearts to be oriented toward loving God and loving people. Anybody with me? All right, that's good. Let's pray.